License 26099E. SmartSense, brought to you by Smart Air Heating and Cooling. Right now, you can save up to $3,400 on a new comfort system. Whether your furnace is no longer working like it used to, or you want to get ahead of the summer heat, it's time to call the expert heating and cooling technicians at Smart Air. Call now and take advantage of this smart offer from Smart Air. Call 512-600-4311. That's 512-600-4311. Or visit SmartAirAustin.com. Our show is live. Get in on the conversation at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Todd and Oz. It is 540 here at KLBJ. And yeah, you could join us anytime you want at 512-836-0590. A big campaign donor for the former U.S. ambassador to the U.N. and the 2024 Republican presidential candidate, Nikki Haley, drops their funding after she loses in the South Carolina primary over the weekend. I said earlier this week that no matter what happens in South Carolina, I would continue to run for president. This was a little sooner than we anticipated. It was an even bigger win than we anticipated. Donald Trump has now swept every contest that counted for Republican delegates, including Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. There's never been a spirit like this, and I just want to say that I have never seen the Republican Party so unified as it is right now. But two-time former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley says despite losing, she's staying in the race at least through Super Tuesday. I'm not giving up this fight when a majority of Americans disapprove of both Donald Trump and Joe Biden. (laughs) South Carolina has spoken. We're the fourth state to do so. In the next 10 days, another 21 states and territories will speak. They have the right to a real choice. In all but one primary since 1980, the Republican winner in South Carolina has gone on to be the party's nominee, the lone exception, Newt Gingrich, in 2012. I'm Julie Walker. It is 548 here on the Todd and Oz Show. Yeah, jump in here at 512-836-0590. The U.S. Supreme Court will hear oral arguments today in the case of two states with laws that, um, well, alter how content is moderated on social media. A law signed by Governor Abbott of Texas in 2021 banned social media platforms from censoring someone based on a viewpoint or location. A law signed by Governor DeSantis of Florida, also in 2021, banned social media companies from removing journalistic content or censoring a political candidate either through deplatforming or shadow banning. Both states said rules for banning users and content had to be applied to everyone equally. Industry groups Groups representing Google, Facebook, and others sued, saying this violated the company's First Amendment rights, calling it extraordinary government intervention that would be unthinkable for traditional media. If the laws are upheld, it could dramatically alter content moderation beyond what the state laws address. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. Republicans and Democrats in Washington, D.C. are considering a regulation that would benefit electric vehicles. President Biden mandated that 50% of car purchases will be electric by 20 And now more than 130 House and Senate Republicans are urging the White House to withdraw a new proposed rule by the EPA that would mandate 67% of new vehicle purchases be electric by 2032. The opposition joined by some Democrats and energy industry groups who've all previously said that President Biden's EV mandate
mandates will reduce consumer choice, lead to higher prices, and benefit China that produces most of the materials used to make EVs, for which demand here in the U.S. has cooled, forcing automakers to hit the brakes on billions of dollars in EV investments. Jeff Manasso, Fox News. It is 5.50. Now with a look at Monday Business. News reporter Peter Shacknow. Investors would gladly sign up for a few more weeks like last week when a bullish earnings report from chipmaker NVIDIA sent positive ripple effects across the entire stock market and helped send the Dow and S&P 500 to record highs. But 2024 could see a particularly bumpy ride as the year progresses. Barbara Reinhardt, chief investment officer at Voya Financial's multi-asset strategies unit, says the president election will become more of a factor as the year goes on. You've got a very big upcoming geopolitical event, which has tended to cause some weakness in equities. We, as long-term investors, would invest through it, but I would say that there's you're likely to have a little bit of indigestion because elections generally don't go unnoticed by the market. They do tend to cause a pullback. Also in the mix, the war in Ukraine, with this past Saturday marking the two-year anniversary of Russia's invasion, and the ongoing conflict in the Middle East, both of which have had negative effects on the global economy. That impact is being felt in the travel industry. Booking Holdings, the parent of Priceline, Kayak, and other travel services, reported that the Middle East conflict reduced the number of hotel nights booked during the fourth quarter and will continue to do so this quarter. Booking Holdings CEO Glenn Fogel, however, remains optimistic about the travel industry's prospects. We're pretty back to where we were in 2019 pre-pandemic in terms of our mix between international and domestic. Uh, certainly there was a surge of travel back and now we're getting to more normalized travel. Travel's always going to grow a little bit faster than GDP. So we get that benefit. Then there's still a tremendous number of people who are still buying travel offline. Those people will come onto online. We'll get that tailwind too. One negative for the stock market had been interest rates and the increasing certainty that the Fed would hold off on cutting rates until later in the year. But the market seems to have completely absorbed that disappointment and have now accepted that cuts will come later rather than sooner. Starting today, the Dow has a new member, none other than Amazon.com. It replaces drugstore operator Walgreens, which had only been in the Dow since 2018 and has the rather dubious distinction of one of the shortest ever stints in the Dow. At the same time that Amazon is joining the 30 stock average, a three-for-one stock split for Walmart goes into effect. Now, that has no effect on the overall value held by Walmart shareholders, but it does reduce the per-share price of Walmart and therefore the influence it has over the daily movements of the Dow. And also this morning, another Dow average is undergoing a change, with JetBlue out of the Dow Jones Transportation Average and Uber Technologies going in. That is newsman Peter Shacknow. It is 5.53. Some major crypto-based companies have taken issue with the Biden administration. The Texas Blockchain Council and Riot Platforms are suing the Biden administration over demands for crypto mining energy usage data. This legal tussle centers around claims that the Biden administration with Senator Elizabeth Warren in a key role, planned their demands as part of a wider effort to reduce the crypto industry's impact, supposedly for environmental reasons. The crypto mining advocates argue the request is overly invasive and politically motivated, threatening innovation and privacy. The lawsuit challenges the U.S. Department of Energy's Energy Information Administration and other bodies. Tom Gully, TSN News. Google Mail is not going away, but the means of accessing it is changing. Fox on tech. Don't worry, your Gmail is not going anywhere. 
There's been a rumor that Google would be nixing its signature free email service used worldwide, but Google says no, Gmail is going to be around for you for a while. But one of the ways of accessing Gmail, however, is being phased out. What Google calls basic HTML view of Gmail will be eliminated by August. Most people already are using the newer default view anyway. It's been the default view for a while, but people have been able to choose the old interface. But by this summer, anyone who hasn't elected to use the new view will be switched over anyway. The old module lacks much of the email features to which most people are accustomed, things like spell check and search, and more recently Google Duet, its AI-based assistant that helps you compose emails. The announcement also follows the decision to discontinue Google Pay in favor of Google Wallet. With Fox on Tech, I'm Evan Brown, Fox News. It is 540. The city of Georgetown appears to be on the verge of not having enough drinking water for the entire city. According to a recent City Commission report, Georgetown is on pace to face water supply shortages by the year 2030 if they don't find a new water source. Georgetown is the fastest growing uh, city in the United States. According to the most recent uh, census, it uh, registered more than 86,500 residents in 2022, up from 75,000 in the year 2021. Uh, translating into a 14% increase. They say that growth has put the city in a position where the water supply has not, you know, wa- you know waned faster than expected. The Todd and Oz Show is live. Get in on the conversation at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Todd and Oz. Aha, yeah, 605. It's the Monday edition of the Todd and Oz Show. Yeah, you can join us anytime you want. At 512-836-0590. Let me throw a question out there. Just kind of start the day off. Just curious, uh, those folks out there listening. If, uh, if, if Nikki Haley does drop out of the race, does that mean all of her the voters that she got in South Carolina would vote for Donald Trump? Just curious. Or are they never Trumpers? And if, if Donald Trump wasn't in the race, would all of his supporters vote for Nikki Haley? I think they probably would. I think they would. I don't think Nikki Haley supporters would vote for Trump. I think they're the never Trumpers, right? So it makes you wonder, would they, given the option of another Trump-Biden race, would the Haley crowd say, well, I'm a never Trumper. I'm all in for Joe Biden. Or, or or just set out and not vote at all, right? It could be that. You know, I'm, ju- I'm just curious. Uh, 512-836-0590. Yeah, Donald Trump was uh, the big winner over the weekend in, uh, in South Carolina. I was just informed that we got double the number of votes that has ever been received in the great state of South Carolina. So that's pretty good. So it's a record times two. And... There's something going on in the country. Some really great things are going on. You look outside and you see all of the horror. You see millions and millions of people coming across the border illegally. We don't know where they come from. They come from jails. They come from prisons. They come from all sorts of places that we don't want to know. They come from mental institutions and insane asylums. And we don't want that in our country. We're not going to stand for it. We're not going to stand for it. You have terrorists coming in. You have people coming in that we just can't, uh, we can't do this. No country could could sustain what's happening to the United States of America. No country. So we're going to straighten things out. There you go. Big speech there in uh, South Carolina. Yeah. Well, uh, I, you know, I, I, Nikki Haley, 
I think this was she get this was her best shot, right? To 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 show that she could win somewhere. This is I think as close as we're going to see it about a 20 point margin, which by the way in politics is still massive, mm. right? So, uh she can stay in as long as she wants. Here's Nikki. I said earlier this week that no matter what happens in South Carolina, I would continue to run for president. Yeah. Very enthusiastic crowd, just not enough of them, I guess. Right? There's like six people there. Yeah. Uh, on I'm CNN. A woman of my word. Oh, she's a woman of her word. Okay, she wasn't done there. There you go. Yeah, this is, uh, well, here it is on, uh, on CNN. Uh, you caught Jake Tapper asking a few questions from Nikki Haley supporters. Why is Nikki Haley still in this race? She has not won a yeah. contest yet. She just got trounced in her home state. Uh, however much you like her, support her, want her to be president, want her to be the nominee, the Republican voters of this country don't agree. Uh, the Republican voters in three states so far don't agree. 47 to go. Four, that, states. That, that, Four states. Four. Nevada. Oh, are we counting Nevada? No. Really? <laughs> Great job, Nevada. Um, no, uh, there's, there's Super Tuesday to go. There's a lot of opportunity here where, uh, you know, we are a party where I, I don't believe, Nikki doesn't believe, most Republicans don't believe that just some party elites in a few states should dictate the nominee. So, um, you know, if she has done what no other candidate could do, which is wipe everybody out of the race, um, challenge him in, in New Hampshire, come to South Carolina, um, and again, challenge here, hopefully collect the delegates as you go. Uh, she has a multi-million dollar ad buy going forward in the next uh, 16 states into Super Tuesday. She's going to challenge him in Michigan as well. So I think there's, there's still a lot of opportunity there. Come, you know, After Super Tuesday, I think the, the campaign will probably reassess and say, okay, where do we go? Where do we pivot? As every campaign will do. But this is about the voters. The voters decide where this should go. Yeah, now uh, the Koch brothers, and one of her biggest donors, uh, they decided to uh, focus on some state races and not support her any longer yeah. after uh, North Carolina. Well, South, South, Carolina, South Carolina, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, and that's a that's a big loss because they got a lot of money. Yeah, uh, but, but I'd like to correct something he said there. She didn't like knock off the rest of the candidates. Donald Trump did. She's just still hanging around. Yes, she had nothing to do with the rest of the candidates driving out. Trust me. Uh, John is checking in from Lakeway this morning. Hey, John. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, number one, I'm 57 years old. I have always voted for the Republican presidential candidate. If Trump does not get the nomination for whatever reason, I am a never Nikki, and I will not vote for any presidential candidate. Mitt Romney, um, I voted for him, and I should never have done that. John McCain, I voted for him, and I should never have done that. Man, it, man, it, oh, I'm man. Done. You got some black eyes there. Good grief, man. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done, guys. <laughs> I hear you. And every, I'll vote for everything else on the ballot, but if Trump's not on the ballot, I'm not voting for president. I'm just going to set out. I got you. Fair enough. Uh uh, I don't know how that'd be good, but uh, okay. That is your right. That's uh, that's your right, John. I hear what you're saying. It is six uh, ten. Uh, jump in here at five one two eight three six zero five ninety. I guess kind of an embarrassing, uh, uh, you know, uh, Capital Metro. A little bit of an embarrassment over there. Their new train station, Michaela Place. Yeah, over near the uh, the Q two Stadium. Apparently, a lot of people got uh, got stranded. There were hundreds hundreds of people waiting there for a train. Uh, you know, as they're talking about the double tracking, we're going to have uh, you know double the capacity, and well, people were waiting and waiting and waiting. Well, it's well, it's they're leaving a big major league soccer game. There's there's going to be some waiting, right? Well, uh, you know, yes, 
there will be. But this was the, these were these were delays that were beyond just oh we're crowded. Gotcha. And, and to the point to where the Capital Metro CEO Dottie Watkins had to come out and issue an apology. Well, ahead of the game, Capital Metro's CEO Dottie Watkins she said that she's expecting things to uh, to move very smoothly. We will line up four trains sitting waiting for folks after the match is over. Yeah, man, she should have made those big promises, I guess, mm-hmm. right? Well, so they didn't have the four trains. They didn't have that, well, or was the four trains not enough? I, you know, I mean, she said there were some four thousand people who had ridden these trains. So maybe, maybe there was, maybe that was the issue. Maybe there were just too many. I, I, I'm not exactly sure. Well, if if she had the four trains there, uh, she shouldn't be apologizing, right? Yeah, I mean, but she says, uh, well, trains were packed tonight, and for some of y'all, we didn't come through as planned. We're working hard to get everybody uh, to the match as quickly as we can. We'll do the same to get everyone home tonight. All right. Well, so, some growing pains, I guess, that's, right? That's most likely what it is. Yeah. Uh, Watkins says Capital Metro is committed to getting uh, getting it right next time. They'll do a better job, they say. Well, despite the delay, she says Capital Metro's red line transported uh, about double the number of passengers that they usually see at uh, often FC games. Well, that's that's obvious because you got a new train stop. Right. So the numbers are going to go up. Right? I think the, the real litmus test will be how long people actually continue to use it. Was it just a novelty everybody showed up for the first time? You know, yeah. I'm, I'm sure they'll get plenty of business. Well, I mean, technically, it's really the only way to get there, right? There's no parking. Yeah, it's a nightmare around there. Whenever is it? Jam- I, I, I've I mean, the one time I drove through there. Yeah, it, the the line of cars. And granted, it was early on in the team's you know lifetime, but still, it's kind of expected though, right? It is a major league soccer stadium. It is. You got a lot of people going to one location. There's going to be some delays occasionally. Of course, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, the city of Georgetown appears to be on the verge of not having enough water for their entire city. Yeah, this is according to a recent city commission report. They actually paid to have somebody come study this. And while Georgetown is on pace to face a water supply shortage by 2030 if they don't find a new water source. Georgetown is the fastest growing city in the United States. And according to uh, the most recent census, uh, it registered about 86,500 residents in 2022. Surely they've grown even more since then. Uh, It was a big jump from uh, 2021 when they only had 75,000 residents, about a 14% increase. Well, that growth has put the city in a position where the water supply has waned faster than expected. Uh, jump in here at 512-836-0590. Uh, yeah, uh, the city of Georgetown. This is a pretty interesting story, I think. Right? I mean, it's one of the fastest growing cities, according to uh, the demographers. And, well, there's a water source issue. Yeah, we. I, guess, I think this is about 20 years or so ahead of what they had initially forecast mm-hmm. uh, to run across this problem. Well, if they say within six years, you know, so maybe about... 14 years ahead of schedule. But even so, I mean, it, it, it is something to, I think a lot of people are, are, are going to be watching a little more closely, especially as you, we get into the summer months and our lakes haven't filled back up. I think people are going to start voicing more and more concern about that kind of thing. It, well, it's, it may be too late. I may be. That's just You're six right. years from now. You're right. It takes, uh, takes votes and bond packages and borrowing and planning and environmental studies, right? I mean, it takes, takes government years to solve these kinds of issues. That is very, very true. Well, uh, the majority of uh, Georgetown's water supply comes from Lake Georgetown, Lake Stillhouse, and Lake Belton, but uh, does also receive some of its supply from Lake Travis, uh, from the groundwater reserves of the Edwards Aquifer up until 2022. And it was believed that those uh, those sources would provide sufficient water until 2043 or perhaps even longer, you know, with some uh, some conservation measures. Do they have conservation measures in place? I mean, can you build a swimming pool in Georgetown? 
Can you water the golf course in Georgetown? Can you wash your car out the front yard? I mean, they got. Some, I would think they got some serious restrictions in place. Well, they would have to, especially if they're drawing some water from Lake Travis. You know, any anybody that does right now is probably having to cut back. Well, in t- uh, 2023, the city signed a two-year agreement uh, with the water utility company Epcor uh, to reserve up to 55 million gallons of water from uh, Robertson County, as well as uh, the rehabilitation to uh, you know uh, the the existing North Lake water treatment plant, which is scheduled for completion soon. Well, according to city officials, it also is building uh, the new South Lake water treatment plant with the first phase expected to be uh, finished by the summer of 2025 and the second phase online by 2026. Yeah, the uh, the, the latter two projects will eventually add about 52 million gallons of water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, 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 it sounds like they need to get on it quick uh, up there and, and, and start planning, making uh, if, if this report proves to be accurate. Six years is going to be here fast. Well, in an effort to uh, mitigate the water supply issues, the city entered stage three watering restrictions for uh, a large portion of 2023. It's currently under stage two restrictions uh, as we speak. All right. Yeah, hang on a second. Kevin, I think Kevin's in Georgetown. He may want to weigh in on this one. Uh, but yeah, uh, listen, you can jump in here. At five one two eight three six zero five ninety, Kevin. Good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Yes, sir. What's hey, on your mind? The thing in Georgetown about water is it's kind of a self-inflicted. Back in two thousand ten, two thousand nine, with the big drought, adjacent right west of Georgetown, there's the, there was the Chisholm Trail Special Utility District, a three hundred seventy-seven square mile rural water district, the size of San Antonio, that they run out of water. And 95% of the customers live in the big neighborhoods just at the edge of Georgetown in the ETJ. Yeah. So the city council shared its water and they ended up having to take over the whole water district. So in the last 10 years, that the growth along Ronald Reagan, Highway 29, uh, all that is double the size of the water district. And, and, and the, the water resources have been, uh, you know, used up what was expected to last in 2040, 2050. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the the big deal is there's no water available, you know. No, I, no, I hear what you're saying, but I, I mean, is the city of Georgetown still clearing the way for large apartment complexes and subdivisions? I mean, you got to think about that first. Why would you approve the subdivision or the new apartment complex that's got a thousand units when you got you're not sure if you're going to have water in a few years, right? Yeah, it doesn't sound like it would be a I wise move unless you know you're going to solve those problems within you know in that time frame. Yeah. Well, it doesn't. I mean, they, they obviously they. Don't have much time to, so they better get on it quick. Yeah, if six, they want to solve this. Six twenty-three. Uh, you could jump in here at five one two eight three six zero five ninety. Apparently, uh, there's uh, there's a, a short list to be uh, the VP for Donald Trump. Right, and uh, a lot of names have been kicked around. You know, Tim Scott, uh, a few others. Uh, you know, and, and and Tulsi Gabbard's name is in there. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Five one two eight three six zero five ninety. Uh, she was on uh, the Clay and Buck show Friday. A draft Tulsi as a Trump VP option. Would you consider that, Tulsi? Uh, I would. Thanks for sharing that with me, by the way. I wasn't aware, but uh, I, I, of course I would. Uh, my, my interest and goal has always been trying to find the best place that I can serve our country and make a positive impact. We have so many challenges that we're facing right now. Uh, this this election is absolutely critical. And what I'm finding as I'm traveling across the country, uh, speaking to many of the points that I wrote about in my book about why I left the Democratic Party and how today's Democrat elite are 
doing their very best to destroy our democracy just so that they can hold on to power. And, and I got to tell you, there's a lot of folks out there who feel politically homeless right now. Some of them may still technically be Democrats, but don't feel any connection to those in power in the Democratic Party. Some are independents and others. And they, they, I'm encouraging them to look at what is really happening in this country to reject uh, the, the Democrats. And, I, and I, I hate to say it's just Joe Biden, because as you both know very well, it's not. Someone asked me last night at CPAC, well, do you think they're going to replace Joe Biden? I said, I don't know. Maybe they will. But what difference will that really make, whether it's Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or whoever else they may put forward? They all stand for the same policies that are destroying our democracy and undermining our freedom, undermining the rule of law, doing everything they possibly can simply to hold on to power. And that's a, that's a threat to us all. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard on the uh, Clay and Buck program uh, this past Friday. Yeah. Now, she uh, she did endorse uh, you know Joe Biden at one time, 2020. She did. She also she, endorsed uh, a lot of gun control stuff. Absolutely. She doesn't like the AR-15 being in the hands of citizens. Maybe, maybe she's changed her opinion on that. Politicians do that. You know, after towing the line for so many years, the Democrat narrative on guns, all of a sudden she's just going to change it. Like, I don't dislike Tulsi Gabbard, and I think uh, strategically, for, strategically for Trump, he might be able to lure some some centrists. But maybe. when it comes to like her stance on guns, that may come at the cost of of you know maybe uh, you know big proud two A supporters. Yeah. You know? So I, I don't I don't know if she's the best choice for him. Yeah, 633 here on the Todd and Oz Show. Join us at 512-836-0590. Texas Governor Greg Abbott echoing the former President Donald Trump on the recent ruling on embryos from an Alabama Supreme Court earlier this month, arguing that they should work to make it easier for people to have children. The Alabama Supreme Court recently ruled that frozen embryos created through in vitro fertilization are children, in turn, are human life. Doctors now essentially are subject to legislation related to the wrongful death of a minor if an embryo is destroyed. Since the ruling, medical providers in Alabama are limiting or pausing treatments altogether, unclear of where they stand legally. Former President Donald Trump, meanwhile, has expressed support for IVF and called on Alabama to reverse the court's decision on embryos. It was a hot topic on the weekend talk shows. Republican Congressman Byron Donalds was on NBC's Meet the Press. That IVF is something that is so critical to a lot of couples. It helps them breed great families. Our country needs that. Democratic California Governor Gavin Newsom on CNN. This is a serious threat, not just what's happening in Alabama, regardless of what Trump tweets out saying the legislature in Alabama should do about, something about this. I worry about the United States Supreme Court that, again, set the tone and tenor for the debate we're having today. And again, it's not just a war on travel. It's not just a war on reproductive health care. It's also a war on women more broadly defined, including, as we no contraceptives. Planned Parenthood President Alexis McGill-Johnson spoke with MSNBC. What these decisions do is not only take away, right, deny the freedoms of us to decide whether and when to become parents, but they also are now saying how we become parents. Texas Governor Greg Abbott told CNN that states have to navigate laws in complicated situations moving forward and that there is more to figure out. I have no idea mathematically the, the, the number of frozen embryos. Is it, is it one, ten, a hundred, a thousand? Uh, things like that matter. What I, what I don't know is uh, families who may have frozen embryos, what happens if they were done so that a mother could uh, have a pregnancy, but uh, after those embryos were frozen, 
the mother passes away, what happens then? Uh, what happens if after the embryos are frozen, the uh, the, the mother uh, mm -hmm. and, and the husband, uh, they get a divorce? He said at this point, no one knows exactly what the potential problems are. And because of that, don't know what the potential answers are. I'm Clayton Neville. All right, there you go. Now you're up to date. And, uh, yeah, we'd love to get your thoughts at 512-836-0590 uh, here on the Todd and Oz Show. Well, you know, we do have a uh, an issue right now, a population issue uh that i think you know there and there are a lot of women uh that and, and well you know potential parents who can't have their kids on, i mean you know and i think something like this could really help a lot of women i think it's okay trying to preserve as many embryos as what possible you, yeah what do you mean by we have a population issue what do you mean by that well i i mean for example uh you we're we we're not I mean, we've talked about it before, where we're, we're we're just not having babies like we used to, sure. And and, and so you know, and we're, and we're being outpaced. We had that had that story just the other day about how I think it's like two to one illegal immigrants to live births now in the United States of America. Yeah. So you know, I, I preserving them, I think is there's not the worst thing I've ever heard. Listen, I know this sounds like a broken record, but here we go again. It's like deja vu all over again. Congress may need to pass a short-term funding extension to avoid a partial government shutdown this week. Uh, Ohio Congressman Warren Davidson says both sides of the aisle remain apart over funding for foreign allies and uh, and the southern border. It is mind-blowing how the priorities for the administration and, frankly, Schumer seem to be all about funding Ukraine and total nonchalance about funding America. Now, uh, foreign aid remains uh, stalled in Congress, and Republicans say they want to focus on securing the U.S. southern border first. Uh, but this also comes as after Republicans killed a bipartisan bill uh, that, that paired enhanced border security with foreign aid. And let's be clear, that's, that package was not a very good one when it comes to border security. It's horrible. Yeah, the short-term funding extension would give lawmakers more time to decide on the spending deal for the upcoming fiscal year without sparking, uh, well, a government shutdown. How about that? Shut it down. Yeah, I, I, enough enough playing these games already. I I, I personally, I, I, I'm just at a point that wouldn't bother me at all anymore if it, if it shut down. But here's here's what I think would happen is the government would shut down. It, it very it would be so minimal. I mean, the impacts that most of us wouldn't even notice in our day to day lives. But Democrats would have a new talking point of see the Republicans killed the border security bill. Republicans want Ukraine to die uh, at the hands of Putin, and now they've let your your uh, your government shut down as well, all because they refused border security and mm. help help for for Zelensky over there. Right. So you know I, I could see it backfiring because the Democrats are really good at spinning narratives. Really good. There was an interview with uh, the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, and NBC over the weekend. Maybe you've seen it. And I'll be honest with you, the dude looked like he was hopped up on Benny's. He looked like he was hopped up on cocaine. I thought he was. He definitely looked right? like he'd been doing blow. He looked like he'd been doing cocaine. Absolutely. That, I, that I was my it, thought too. I, I thought maybe it, I was just and imagining it. Everybody okay, that saw it looked at it like, "What? What? What is he doing? Is he is he doing cocaine to stay awake for the war? Is that what it is?" I, I mean, it, it very it really looked like it, and I, it who did, knows, didn't it? Who, it looked it looked like he was high. I've seen a lot of guys geeked up on cocaine. He looked a lot like them, agitated, kind of. <laughs> Yeah. Kind of snorting and snooting a little bit, that kind yeah. of thing. And, and, you know, there's this kind of thing that, that, that they, they do sort of when it goes, you know, the, the, the drip goes down, you know. Oh, yeah, they kind of yeah, yeah. That, they kind of make that face. When you kind of go. Oh. He, he kind of made the drip face. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he was real. Uh, you could tell. There was something going on. He definitely did not look sober. He, he, but 
you know, maybe he just hadn't slept for days because they tell us he's just constantly out there, you know, rallying his Ukrainians to beat Putin. It is uh, 639. Listen, uh, just days after Austin's downtown commission renewed its calls for police to do what they can to help mitigate graffiti. Uh, well, the iconic Willie Nelson statue has been tagged with some uh, some pink spray paint. Yeah. Uh, Commander Jeff Olson says they're doing what they can. We can direct resources to try and address those issues. Now, typically, it's sending out crews to help uh, clean up the graffiti, um, obtain any evidence if we can, maybe cameras and things like that, because it's pretty rare we actually catch them in the act. Yeah, you never catch them in the act. Mm. Now, it's un- unknown uh, if the police have any leads, uh, you know, on who the vandals of the Willie Nelson statue might be. Yeah. And, and, and cameras would document it, and uh, I'm not sure that that would do much to catch them, right? Well, considering we have a district attorney in Travis County who lets child predators and, and murderers out with slaps on the wrist, mm. uh, I would say he probably isn't going to go after somebody for property damage. No. No, he's not. At all. No. But, you know, it's, it's a shame. I mean, you know, Willie has been standing there on the shores, or, I mean, uh, 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 by a Moody Theater for, uh, gosh, more than a decade now. Uh, at least, yeah. And they were just talking about it last week, though. Yeah, the downtown commission and uh, uh, August Harris, the, the commission chair, he's saying, "Listen, last year when people rolled through here on South by Southwest, it got even worse." Yeah, you know. So, I, I it's just it's it's unsightly is, and it's unfortunate. Is the graffiti problem gotten out of hand? Has it? I mean, I, I mean, you could drive around certain areas and you could see it, you know, on the side of buildings and on the side of uh, you know various things. But is it as bad as it's being described? Probably not. I mean, we're, my bet is it's we're a big probably, city, right? Yeah. I bet you it's not as bad in downtown as as it is in in you know other parts of the city you know where you've got less people and, and uh, you know but I I've seen it from time to time but I I wouldn't say that it's looked any worse than it sure. has in in previous years but right. I, I don't spend much time down there some of it looks like real art some of it looks really good well, a lot of these these some of it looks really bad too. A, lo- a lot of them yeah it's 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 like uh, you either get like this beautiful mural yeah. or or somebody writes something in this weird tag language that you know only like three guys can read yeah is that is that is that gang affiliation stuff is that what that is what like the murals like the tags well, I, I think i don't know is it i know it used to be and i'm sure it, it's maybe it's just the artist tag yeah it's the, it's the artist signature it's just some clown saying this is my wall Come on now, jump in at 512-836-0590. Robert is checking in from South Austin this morning. Robert, what's on your mind? Yeah, good morning. Regarding the Alabama Supreme uh, Court embryo case, I I think, you know, the evidence suggests from modern technology that life does begin at conception and that it's really the states should take uh, the position of if there's any question on a you know complicated case like this of erring on the su- the side of supporting life and I think that position is supported by our founding documents for example the Constitution said you know we are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights among these are life liberty and the pursuit of happiness mm. and the Fourteenth Amendment says no person shall be deprived of life liberty and property without due process of law so. I think that you know until they can, someone could come up with come up with an ethical, reasoned argument to take a different approach that, that they they should err on the side of life. Yes. Well, you know the argument makes sense to me that yeah. that if these these embryos are here and uh, you know we are going to uh, you know grow a, a family with this and then somehow they're accidentally destroyed that a wrongful death lawsuit you know something like that would would be warranted and. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I think the court, I, I do think the court probably got this one right. 
Hey, hey, Robert, I'm just curious. Uh, you brought up something that is a real thorn in the side for uh, some MSNBC commentators. You mentioned something about the rights that are given to us by our creator. You mentioned that just now in the Constitution, right? That's something that uh, that we hold uh, hold close, right? Sure. I want you to, uh, Robert, stay with us. Stay on the phone there. I want you to hear this uh, this soundbite on MSNBC, and uh, and this is this is uh, well, this is an MSNBC commentator. Hang on a second now. One thing that unites all of them, because there's many different groups orbiting Trump, but the thing that unites them as Christian nationalists, not Christians, by the way, because Christian nationalists is very different, mm -hmm. is that they believe that our rights as Americans, as all human beings, don't come from any earthly authority. They don't come from Congress. They don't come from the Supreme Court. They come from God. The one thing yeah, that that's 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 a uh, that's an issue for the left right there. You're uh, your God given rights. What do you think about that, Robert? First of all, let me correct that commentator. Christians believe that too. And even non-Christians believe that too. Mm, yep. Even even atheists believe that. Robert, what do you think? Well, the, our rights are given to us by God, and that's the, the, the law of natural rights that philosopher John Locke developed that our founders used in developing the Constitution. The the Constitution was put in place to defend those rights given by God. Rights are not given by the government, okay, yeah. or by the Constitution. So they are their their reasoning is totally flawed. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. Uh, if, if that's the way that commentator on MSNBC believes, then what she believes is that all of her rights could be taken away by some random man anytime, any place in the world. That's what she believes. That her rights were given to her by some man. Well, I guess to to a degree, she's not wrong that those rights the, the that we have, you know, on Earth could be stripped away by some yeah. tyrannical, yeah. you know, Democrat or something like yeah. that. Yeah, uh, a couple of texters they sent the text saying, uh, "What is a Christian national?" Well, that's what the left calls us. That's what they call you. That's what they call you. If you support Trump, that's what they call you. That's their new title for you. You're a, a, a Christian who, who is patriotic and loves your country. Put your country first. Yes. That makes you some sort of hate-mongering nationalist. Yeah, yeah. I haven't made the connection yet, but, you know, yeah, yeah. keep trying, and maybe one day it'll make sense because it doesn't right now. Yeah. I'm with them. It's like, well, you know, what's wrong with loving your country first above all others? Uh, jump in at 512-836-0590. U.S. Immigration and Custom Enforcement, they confirm that Jose Iberia, uh, in, uh, well, the suspect in the death of a Georgia nursing student named Lakin Riley. And apparently he's a, he's a Venezuelan illegal alien. And uh, he came to the United States uh, several years ago and was deported and, and, and apparently came back. And he is the one, according to police, that uh, took this young woman's life. Fox News reported that 26-year-old Jose Antonio Ibarra moved from El Paso, Texas, where he illegally entered the country, to New York City, where he was arrested last year, but was released before a detainer could be issued. Ibarra now faces felony murder, malice murder, aggravated battery, aggravated assault, kidnapping, and other charges in the death of Lakin Hope Riley, after it was confirmed by authorities that she died of blunt force trauma. University of Georgia Police Chief Jeff Clark. It is supported by key input from the community, physical evidence, and expert police work. Importantly, 
We were assisted by video footage. Ibarra's brother, Diego, who was also living in Georgia, was arrested during the investigation into Riley's death, charged with possessing a fraudulent green card. Diego Ibarra has an arrest record of his own, busted last year on charges including drunk driving, driving without a license, and shoplifting. Both brothers, who are undocumented, are being held currently without bail. A funeral for Riley is scheduled to be held on Friday. I'm Jeff McKay. All right, there you go. Uh, man, what a story. Uh, what a shocking story. Even what's even just as shocking is, is some of the, the Associated rep- uh, yeah. Press reports on this. It was infuriating. So uh, the AP just went out. They, they just called him an Athens man, as, in, as if he was not illegally in this nation, arrested three times after crossing the border, uh, you know, multiple times. They didn't, they didn't feel it was necessary to mention any of that. And I'm sorry, but it's it's very relevant here because this was this this poor young woman's death was completely avoidable. This guy, you know, if we had a secure border, perhaps a guy like you know, there are countless other guys like him right now in this country that just slipped right through. This is why we need to know who's coming across, right, to avoid stories like this. And I'm not saying that some guy who went to uh, Austin High School isn't just as capable of doing something as horrific. Problem is, we could have stopped this guy from getting in here. This is what we could stop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the pressure is on for Joe Biden to act on on immigration issues, and it's coming from all sides. Even President Trump took executive action. Uh, I think the president can do that also. It's not just Republicans who want the White House to do something to stop a surge of illegal immigration. Democrats are putting the pressure on President Biden too. Texas Border Congressman Henry Cuellar. He can say we can have law and order at the border and still be respectful of the immigrants. He says the issue is people seeking asylum between the ports of entry. The president, he says, should expedite those removals. It would cost money, but he says it would send a message to other would-be migrants that the trip is not worth it. Michael Board, TSN News. All right, there you go. Now you're up to date. Uh, You can jump in at 512-836-0590 here on the Todd and Oz Show. Let me uh, squeeze in uh, Tim real quick. No, not that one. Hang on a second. Tim, real quick. I got about 30 seconds, Tim. Go ahead. Oh, good morning, guys. I just wanted to say Christian nationalism is just those of us that view governance through the lens of Scripture. It's not, it's not a bad thing. What they do is they attach white national uh, Christian nationalism to it to make you a racist. To make it sound like it's ethnic oh, okay. nationalism, which is very different. Yeah, I got ethnic you. nationalism could be a problem, but that's and he's right. That's why they attach white right. to it every time. The Todd and Oz Show, weekday mornings, five to ten on News Radio KLBJ. License 26099E. SmartSense, brought to you by Smart Air Heating and Cooling. Right now, you can save up to $3,400 on a new comfort system. Whether your furnace is no longer working like it used to, or you want to get ahead of the summer heat, it's time to call the expert heating and cooling technicians at Smart Air. Call now and take advantage of this smart offer from Smart Air. Call 512-600-4311. That's 512-600-4311. Or visit SmartAirAustin.com.